Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to the book of Judges, chapter 4. Judges, chapter 4. And I am going to open us up this morning in the Lord's Prayer. I invite you to pray this prayer with me, to not simply recite this prayer, to not simply just state this prayer from rote or from memory, but to pray the lines and the words of this prayer, and then we'll get into the word this morning. Would you join me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus, we love you. And Jesus, we long for you. We long for your coming. We long for your arrival where you will again come and you will make all things in this world right. Well, you will restore things to their perfect created order. Jesus, our hearts long for your arrival. Our hearts long for you. We long for your kingdom, for the righteousness and the peace and the joy that come from your kingdom. Jesus, we long to know you. I pray today, God, that something would be awakened inside of every single one of us where we would not be satisfied, where we would not be complacent. Father, that something in our hearts would be stirred. Lord, I pray today that we would be equipped by your spirit and by your word. Lord, that when we leave this gathering today, we would leave as sent ones into the realm of influence that you've given to every single one of us to bring the message of the gospel, to bring the power of the spirit, to bring the love of the Father and the transformation of your kingdom into the earth. And we pray these things today in Christ's name. Amen. Several weeks ago, I came upon, came upon a passage uh, in, in the book of Judges chapter 4, and this is going to be a little bit of an unconventional message prior to Thanksgiving. I think what is very typical and standard is to remind us about the discipline of gratitude, about the discipline of entering into setting our eyes upon the beautiful things that God has provided us with. And so that's my plug for that right there. What I just said, take that and run with it this Thursday, all right? But today we're going to talk about the book of Judges, and particularly we're going to talk about a lady by the name of Deborah. So follow along with me if you would in Judges chapter 4 verse 1. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, now that Ehud was dead. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harasheth Haguyim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried, and I actually like to just insert, they finally cried to the Lord for help. Let us just pause right here so that we're understanding what's happening contextually. Uh, if, if we actually look into the beginning of the book of Judges, 
we will find that the children of Israel now have, this, this is on the heels of the book of Joshua. So historically, the children of Israel, who were once uh, in bondage to the oppression of Pharaoh in Egypt and lived 400 years in oppressive uh, tyranny, were delivered by a man by the name of Moses. They traveled through the wilderness. God did numerous miracles. He was, he was teaching them how to be a people. He was establishing the foundations of social structure. He was reestablishing trust. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to care for you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to get Egypt out of you. I'm going to get the longings of Egypt out of you. And I, I want you to marry yourself to me. You will be my people and I will be your God. And they were, they were en route to a land that God had promised them, Canaan. And we know this as the, the promised land. Moses dies. He has a predecessor. Is it predecessor or a successor? It's a successor. He has a successor by the name of Joshua. Joshua then leads the people into the promised land. They continue to do incredible exploits. The power of God is demonstrated mightily on their behalf. And each of these 12 tribes goes to their allotted portions of inheritance in this promised land. In the book of Judges chapter 1, we find that when Joshua dies and all of the elders who were ruling and leading with Joshua, when they die, all of a sudden, we find that there's another generation of Israelites that are raised up. And this is perhaps one of the most grievous statements in the entire scriptures. The scripture says in Judges chapter 1, I believe it's verse 10, that an entire generation grew up and they did not know the Lord nor the exploits that he had done. Imagine this. Imagine an entire generation of our sons and our daughters growing up. They never knew about the Red Sea being parted. They never knew about manna being provided miraculously. They never knew about quail. They never knew about water coming from the rock. They never knew about the, the ten plagues. They never knew about the power of God uh, delivering this, this millions of people from Egypt. Didn't know about it. Didn't know God and didn't know a thing about what he had done. Consequently, we find that the children of Israel then enter into a cycle. They enter into a cycle where uh, through their sin, through their idolatry, through leaving the Lord, leaving the affection, leaving the trust of who God is in their lives, uh, then they enter into seasons of oppression, seasons of torment, seasons where other nations come in and they enslave them. And then they cry out to the Lord. And when they cry out, God is faithful to raise up a deliverer. And we find all throughout the book of Judges that each one of these deliverers, whether it's Ehud, or whether it's Shamgod, or, or, or Samson, or Deborah, or Gideon, each of these deliverers, while they are alive, while they are leading, while they're providing leadership to the children of Israel, everything's good. Everything is set back in order Everybody gets in line. We remember the, the testimonies. We remember the faithfulness of God. We, we marry our hearts back to God. And we find that every single time one of these judges or deliverers passes away, the children of Israel go right back in to that cycle of sin. Now, there's two thoughts about this. Number one, it speaks to the incredible power of Christian leadership. It speaks to the necessity of having godly leaders in every field, families, churches, in the civil sector, in businesses, education, 
The, the presence and the leadership and the influence of godly men and women who lead and rule and provide order and who bring the kingdom of God into the earth, nothing like it. Isn't that right? Absolutely essential, critical. In fact, we could, we could borrow some maxims from the leadership community and we could say things like everything rises and falls on leadership and not just leadership, but I would say good leadership, godly leadership, righteous leadership, leadership that is first accountable unto God and taking its cues from God. But we also find something I think that's interesting is that we as a people, there's two thoughts here again, I'm gonna just expound on this. We as a people, we cannot allow our devotion and our faith and our righteousness before God to be dependent upon a leader. I mean, at the end of the day, no matter what happens here, I'm trusting that you, that this people, that we as the people of God, that we're going to take ownership of our faith, that your faith is your faith, our faith is our faith. And if I fall off the wagon, you're going to say, well, it's too bad for him. We're going to pray for him. We're going to see him restored. We're going to be kind and patient with him. But we aren't going to fall off the wagon just because he fell off the wagon. And I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen. I've seen it happen in two cities that I've lived in where very prominent leaders made some, made some horrific decisions in their lives, removed from their post of Christian leadership, and then you start interfacing with people in those churches, and they start saying something like, man, if pastor so-and-so couldn't do it, there's no way that I can live faithful to God. That is a lie. You can live faithful to God because you have the spirit of God inside of you. You have the scriptures to guide you. You belong to a people that are gonna help anchor you and root you to the faithfulness of God. Amen? The second thought here is for those of you, wherever you are in your faith journey, I think the thrust of the message today is be willing I think the Holy Spirit wants to awaken us today for every single one of us to be willing to assume a greater measure of responsibility for influence and leadership in, in whatever arena we may be. You may be sitting here today and say, well, I'm just not a leader. Or you may be sitting here today and saying, I, 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 don't, I don't feel like there's, there's anything special on my life. And I think that word that the Lord gave Christy is so pertinent to this message today because you might be interpreting your life and your story from the wrong lens. Because I'm here to announce and I'm here to proclaim that every single one of you have the call to Christian responsibility and influence and leadership in some measure in your life. Every one of you has the call. The moment you said yes to Jesus... You may not have realized what you were signing up for, but he did. And the moment you said yes, you said yes to a process of becoming people that others could look at and base their lives off of your life. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's what Jesus said. Come, follow me. Follow me and I'm going to make something of your life that is going to affect and influence other people. Right? No one lights a candle and sets it under 
a bushel. No, they set that candle, they set that lamp, they set that light up on top of a stand so that it shines brightly to break through the darkness and to bring guidance and to bring insight and to bring clarity to all that are around. That's who you are. That's who I am. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. We are a city set on a hill. You are called to influence. And you can wield that influence for good or for bad. Back to Judges chapter 4. Again, the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord now that Ehu was dead. And so we find in verse 2 that they are, they are sold into oppression. They are sold into bondage. And I think verse 3 is interesting. I want to highlight. It says, because this commander, Sisera, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. I underline that in my Bible. 20 years. 20 years. 20 years. Notice, notice, at the end of verse 3, it says, they cried to the Lord for help. Now, the scriptures are a little silent here, but if I wanted to play a little deduction, I could deduce that they had not cried out to the Lord for help in any of those 20 years prior until the scripture mentions they had been in oppression for 20 years and then they cried to the Lord for help. And here's a word prophetically, I think, for some of us in this room. How long must you stay in your bondage until you cry out to the Lord for help? How long must you stay in your oppression? How long must you remain under the yoke of sin? The yoke of sin is heavy. But Jesus says, come unto me, all you who are weak and heavy burdened, and I will break the yoke of bondage off of you, and I will give you rest. If it's pornography, if it's drug addiction, if it's television, if it's alcohol, if it's whatever cycle it is in your life that keeps you in this place of self-condemnation and self-hatred and self-pity, the word of the Lord for you today is how long? Cry out to the Lord for help for the God, for our God is a mighty deliverer. Our God is a mighty deliverer. Our God is a mighty deliverer. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And you might be here today and say, well, I've done that before. I've cried out to God for help. And I, I'm still in this place. Listen, 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 listen. Never become too familiar. Never, never become too familiar I want to inspire hope inside of you today that says, I may have cried out before, I may have fasted, I may have prayed, I may have proclaimed, I may have come to the altar. Come again. Come again. Freedom is worth it. Your freedom is worth it. And I want to announce to you today that our God is a mighty God and he is mighty to save and he is a deliverer. Chapter, uh, chapter four, verse four. Now Deborah a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. Notice the end of verse 3 and the beginning of verse 4. The end of verse 3 says they cried out to the Lord. The beginning of verse 4 says, now Deborah. 
They cried out to the Lord, now Deborah. They cried out to the Lord, now Deborah. And we will find all throughout the scriptures, all throughout the scriptures, whenever there is some form of injustice, the Lord always looks for a person. God's answer to the problems of our society is a person. It is not necessarily a move. It is not necessarily a movement that may come as a result, but he always begins with a person. In the book of Exodus chapter three, we find strikingly a very similar situation. Moses is tending, he's faithfully tending his responsibility. He's out one day with the sheep. It's a normal day. It's just like any other day. He's doing what he knows to do. He's being faithful. He's being responsible. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of that chronos season of time, he sees out of the corner of his eye a bush that is burning and it's not being consumed. And as he approaches that bush, he has an encounter with God. And here's what God says. He says, I have heard the cries of my people. And this is what he says, Exodus chapter three. He says, so I will come down and I will deliver them. And this is what he says next. Now go. No, wait, 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 wait. You said, you said you're gonna come down and you said you're gonna deliver them. He said, I know, I realize that, go. Just so I'm making sure I understand here. You said that you're going to come down and you're going to battle these principalities that have held our people in slavery. And by the way, you may not have realized this, but I'm not too welcome. I understand that. I'm going to come down. I'm going to deliver them. Now go. Because every problem of our society, God begins with a person. If you see something in your society that just, you might be the person that is to bring some form of a solution to it. And ranting on Facebook is not a solution. And complaining and griping and just, you know, making enemies of the other camp, that's that's not a solution. What is a solution is saying, God, what is the wisdom of God for racism? What is the wisdom of God for abortion? What is the wisdom of God for, for illiteracy? What is the wisdom of God? What is the wisdom of God in this situation? And you get into that yoke and you say, I'm gonna stay in this yoke and I'm gonna press into this yoke and I'm gonna, I'm gonna lean into the power and the wisdom of God until you give me an answer, until you give me a strategy, until you give me the resources, until you connect me with the right person. I'm going to stay in this yoke until faith builds inside of me. I'm going to stay in this yoke until my muscles get strong in the spirit, until I can handle the burden of leadership. I'm not going to leave this yoke because God's answer to the problems of your family and your community and your church is not just leaving. God's answer to the problem in your business is not just you complaining. It is you getting in the yoke and saying, God, I'm going to be a deliverer. They cried to the Lord for help. Now, Deborah. I love that. Now, Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court, verse 5 under the palm of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. 
She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in the Naphtali, and she said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the river Kishon and give them into your hands. I, I want to examine this amazing figure in the scriptures. And, and let me go ahead and just call out the elephant in the room. She's a lady. And I love the fact you said, yes, sir. <laughs> she is a lady. And, and notice, if we might, that she is a prophet. And notice that she is married. And we don't really hear anything about her husband. And that's okay. That's okay. Because, because her calling in life wasn't just to be a good, sweet wife that supported Lapidoth and all of his decisions that he was going to make. Because, of course, God had only called Lapidoth to be a judge and ruler in Israel. And, and she was to make sure his clothes were pressed and that he had a great breakfast before he left the house every morning. I'm going to need my help to come on pretty quick. <laughs> y'all notice when I start rocking back and forth like this, y'all in trouble. She was the wife of Lapidoth. That's awesome. And that's all we hear about him. And then what we hear is, we hear about how God, not playing favorites to man or to woman, God is saying, listen, if you give me what you have, I will make, I will make you what you can never be of yourself. And listen, listen, we don't know, we don't know that Deborah, we don't know. We don't know that God may have passed up 20,000 men and Deborah just said, hey, I'm going to be willing. We don't know that. We also don't know that Deborah might have been his first choice. The point is that God uses a woman and she is powerful in God. She is faithful to God. And God, consequently, does things on a national scale that at the end of the story, we will find, bring peace to a nation and a people for 40 years. Here's some things that we know about Deborah. Not only was she a prophet, she was leading the nation. She was leading the nation. She had the leadership goods to lead, not a tribe, not a committee, not a department. She was leading the nation. So for all of the religious demons that are in the room that want to keep our women enslaved and in bondage to some gross form of male patriarchy, y'all can just leave this house right now in Jesus' name. Number four, we find in verse five that she held court and the Israelites went to her to have their disputes decided. You know what that means? It means she had wisdom. It means the spirit of counsel was upon her. It means she was smarter than some of the men in the house. Listen, y'all may not realize this, but this woman right here is the greatest gift 
and the greatest asset and the greatest strength to my life. And I am a fool when I don't first go after going to God saying, babe, what do you think about this? My greatest question is, babe, what do you think about this? And then I listen. I don't just kind of give that token, hey, what do you think? Oh, that's great. No, 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 no. No, I ask, what do you think about this? If it's a financial decision, if it's raising our children, if it's something we're going to start or finish or improve in our church, I ask, what are your thoughts? Because she has a perspective and a discernment and a counsel and a wisdom and a gift and a trustworthiness that is absolutely impeccable and invaluable to me, my family, and this house. Men, you might be missing one of your greatest assets, one of your greatest cheerleaders, champions, confidants, one of the greatest uh, treasures that God has put in your life is this woman who has not just been given to you to compliment you. This woman that God has given to you as a gift to lead with you and to provide counsel to you. Now, women, this puts a massive burden of responsibility on your shoulders. And we're going to find from Deborah that there was nothing in Deborah that was manipulative. There was nothing in Deborah that was controlling. In fact, Deborah was doing everything that she could to kind of get out of the limelight. She actually preferred for the commander of their army, Barak, she preferred that he would lead. And she preferred that he would actually get all of the accolades and all of the honor for winning the victory. And we're going to find out what happens in the story here. Verse 6, so she sent for Barak. And here's what I like about this. This tells us that she wielded authority. See that. I want you to see that. Deborah wielded authority. The, the fact that she sent for the commander of the army to come to him, you don't do that unless you got authority, Jack. So she carries this authority in God that is, that is received. There was something about the way that she carried her authority. Let me just pause right here, Holy Ghost. I'm going to follow you. Women, listen, you don't have to carry your authority the way a man carries his authority. You don't have to do it that way. The thing I love about Christy is there's nothing inside of her that feels like she's got to be me. Praise God. <laughs> I think Andy, I can only handle one Jay Duncan. <laughs> what? <laughs> Let me speak to the women real quick. We need you to lead the way that God has made you to lead. We need your softness. And your boldness. We need your tenderness and your toughness. We need your wisdom. We need your ability not to just knock the door down, but your ability to kind of sidestep and go in from the side. We need your beauty. We need your creativity. We need your artistic expression. We need the unique way that you have been wired to solve problems because the way that I've been wired doesn't necessarily solve all the problems. Don't don't feel the pressure to preach or pray or prophesy or lead or build or teach or instruct like your husband or like another man in this society. We need your expression. I should have had a lot of female amens right there. And I should have had a lot of male amens as well, guys. 
So let's just try this one more time. I'm going to say, we need your expression. I'm going to say it powerful. I'm going to say it with conviction. I'm going to give you my best, and I want all the house to say amen. Ready? We need your expression. Man, if we could just hit that every time. Okay, verse 7. She says, I will lead Sisera the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his troops to the river Kishon and give them into your hands, verse eight. Barak said to her, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, then I will not go. This is something I think is amazing. Her presence and her leadership or her ability to hear from God were highly valued. I love this. I love the fact that the commander of the army He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to follow this assignment, but would you come with me? Would you be present with me? And and who knows, but the Bible is unclear as to why he wanted her there. Maybe he was nervous. Maybe he was insecure. Maybe maybe he wanted to show the, the, the army and the people a picture of shared leadership. Maybe this was a picture of him honoring her. But again, silent, but what we see is that Barak is so honoring of her. And actually, I don't think this is token. I think he was saying, I need you there with me. I need what you bring to the table. I need you with me. I need your leadership. And guys, I think that our wives need to hear that from us. They need to hear the voice of their husband because here's what I know. I know that most of the women in society and in this house, most of the women in Christianity, over generations, centuries, centuries of mixed messages, centuries of not knowing where their place is, centuries of not knowing where the boundary line is, centuries of wanting to honor, centuries of being great women and not wanting to step out of their place and those things being manipulated and abused and dominated. I know that most women are going to say, I'm not going to usurp. And that's why they need our voice as husbands to say, I want you to come with me. Come with me. Stand beside me. Let's lead together. I need you. Guys, you have the power and the authority and the ability to draw something out of your wives unlike any other person has. Use that. Wield that. Speak that. Pray, prophesy, affirm, decree over your wives who they are. Verse 9, certainly I will go with you, said Deborah. But because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh. Verse 10, there Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali, and 10,000 men went up under his command, and Deborah also went up with him. I love the fact here that she goes with him. She doesn't demean him. She doesn't condescend him. She doesn't belittle him. She acquiesces. She joins him. She stands by his side. She provides the unique gift that God has given to her in the battle. She strengthens him. She affirms him. She supports him. But she also lets him know that because of the unique dynamic that is working out right here, that the full glory of this victory will not go to him. Notice she doesn't say it's going to go to her. Notice her willingness to share responsibility, 
to share and give away authority and to also say, I'm not gonna take all the credit for this. I think one of the things that is hurting the movement for women in our society and in our church, now, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out on really thin ice here, but I think one of the things that's hurting the movement is, is when we find, and I understand it, I understand it sociologically, I understand it religiously, I understand it culturally, but I wanna just pastor our ladies. Listen, you do not have to seize it. You do not have to seize the authority. This is a principle in the kingdom that authority is never taken. It is never seized. It is never taken by force. Authority is always given and it is always received. Now I know that you can say in my unique dynamic, I have the, the, the authority powers that be are not going to hand me that authority. Listen, God is bigger than your structure. God is bigger than your structure. And, and while you are in the situation that you are in, God is at work and he is building something in you and he is building something in him and he is building something in them and in us and out there, but you don't have to take it. You don't have to seize it. You hear me? Because when you do, in some weird way, it inauthenticates it. And it repels. So receive, and I promise you, build up your collateral in the quiet faithfulness of, of serving God in the spirit, developing the gifts, the, the skills, the experience, and God is the one who will promote. He will promote you in his time. And if you're not promoted yet, he knows why. And he is faithful to pull you out in his time. Guard your heart. Do not get competitive. Do not get bitter. Do not get envious. Do not get resentful. Do not get jealous. He is faithful. It is the Lord who promotes Verse 11, now we're gonna skip verse 11 here. It kind of gets into a little bit of a gruesome story and uh, you can read that on your own. Um, but here, let me just end closing. Here, here's what I wanna say. I, I wanna drive this to a point, but here's my tribute to Deborah. Because of her faithfulness to God, her faithfulness in the quiet moments, her faithfulness in the monotonous routine of living and leading in life, because of the cultivation of her gift, cultivation, quiet, steady, faithful. Because of the accuracy of her discernment, what we're gonna find here is when they actually go into battle, it's Deborah who's the one who says, the Lord says, go now. Go now. I love that. I, I, th I think in some ways, and I'm not trying to use stereotypes here, but I am also trying to affirm something I see uniquely in women. I think, I think our women have a pulse on the, the timing and the movements uh, in the rhythms of the Lord in a way that is unique for men. In a, in a way that, that my wife and the women in this house, they have an ability to tap into to what God is doing and saying in the now moment in a way. I'm kind of over here working on the blueprints and laying out strategic plans and thinking about 20 years from now. And she's like, go now. Now, now is the time. Now is the time. Strike now. Don't wait. Babe, don't wait. Do it now. 
that's so valuable to me, that's so valuable to you, it's so valuable to this house, so valuable to our society, to our culture. Because of the accuracy of her discernment and timing, because of her trustworthiness and her credibility in leadership, the whole nation revered her. That, that's, that doesn't just happen. That happens over hard work, over a lifetime of making the right decisions and the hard decisions and making the difficult choices. And you've got commanders of army and all of the people saying, we'll follow you into battle. Guys, listen, that doesn't just happen. That's not just some spiritual gift. That's witchcraft, <laughs> okay? We're talking about in the physical world, in the physical world, they didn't just follow her because she was some supernatural spiritual guru. They followed her because in the material world, the way she carried herself, the way she spoke, the way she worked on the little things, the disciplines in her life, the way that she exercised wisdom and impartiality, she exercised leadership in the material world. Do you understand why I keep saying in the material world? Because if we're not careful, and we do this, we do this all the time, we relegate, we relegate things to some spirituality. No, the lady was a queen. She was a ruler. She was a governor. She was a judge in the material world. Are you hearing me? And it took more than her prayer life to get her there. Y'all ain't hearing me this morning. That's, that's, Y'all ain't hearing what I'm trying to say. I'm going to get there. The boldness of her decision-making and execution, an entire nation was delivered for 40 years. For 40 years. Now, we also know that she was a worshiper. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. On that day, Deborah and Barak, son of Abinoam, sang this song. Look at the picture of shared leadership. You see this all throughout all throughout chapter 5, over and over again, you see Deborah and Barak, Barak and Deborah, Deborah and Barak, Barak and Deborah. It's a picture of mutual submission. It's a picture of mutual respect and mutual honor. But here's the thing that I think is interesting that Deborah sings in verse 2. She says, when the princes in Israel take the lead, and when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. When the princes take the lead, and when the people willingly offer themselves, and here's, here's, here's where all this is coming today. I think, I think the invitation for every single one of us, young, old, er, young, older, male, female, the invitation, willingly offer yourself. Give yourself over to the yoke of the Lord's process. Be at a place, come on up, Jonathan, please. Be at a place where you are ready, where God can use you in any moment. Are you hearing me? Daily. Every day is training day. Every day. Every day. Every day. The way you wake up. The way you 
steward your home, the way you frame your mindset, the way you cover the words that come out of your mouth. Okay, it's all building to where God can trust. It might be delivering a nation. It might be sharing the gospel to a neighbor. It might be providing hope to someone that on that very day they were contemplating ending it all. It, you don't know what it's going to be. You don't know what it's going to be. But there's no cruise control in the Christian life. There's no autopilot. It's God, I'm going to willingly offer myself. I'm available. I'm available. I would just say it like this. The invitation today is come follow the Lord and give him your yes so that he can work exploits through your lives. Guys, I believe in you. Greatness, goodness, kindness, invention, productivity, your days, your best days, they are not behind you. Your best days are not behind you. Ideas. You have what it takes. Zach, you have what it takes, man. Chris, you have what it takes, brother. You have what it takes, man. Elise, you have what it takes. You have what it takes, Aaron. Aaron, you have what it takes. You have what it takes. Come on, stand with me to your feet this morning. Before we enter the table, I just, I just sense that I'm supposed to do something and I'm going to even be so bold to say that I'm supposed to do something apostolically. I'm not trying to call myself an apostle, but I'm just trying to say that there's a function here that I'm going to step into. I'm just going to break some limitations off of your lives, and I'm going to pray specifically for the women. And if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if you're married here, husbands, I might need to break some stuff off of you. <laughs> uh, but just put your, put your hand around your wife. Come on up here, baby. If you're not married, you're covered by the Lord. And today, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bless the women of this house. I bless you as a father and as a pastor, as a religious leader. I bless you today. I pray that every limitation of man and the traditions of men Every, every limitation from a religious structure, every limitation from a religious spirit would be broken off of your mind, would be broken off of your thought processes and your decision making. I pray, I pray right now that there would be a new freedom that you enter into that is, that is catalytic that things have been locked up inside of you, that have been, that have been hidden inside of you, that have, been, that have been kept back from your family and your church and your society and your place of missional vocation that have been held back and reserved. I pray that those things would be released in the right way and in the right timing in Jesus' name. I affirm you. You are a beloved daughter of the Lord. I affirm the way that you lead. I affirm your voice. I affirm your voice. 
I affirm your voice, your vocal voice, your written voice, your artistic voice. I affirm your leadership voice, your creative voice, your prophetic voice, your apostolic voice, your pastoral voice, your teaching voice, your evangelistic voice. I affirm it. Give strength to your voice. We need your voice. The earth needs your voice. The earth needs your voice. We give strength to your voice today in the name of Jesus. All the mighty intercessors in this house, all the young daughters in this house being raised in a new way, I pray a momentum on you. I pray an influence upon you in the name of Jesus. And we just declare over this house that this house wants and affirms and validates and values the female the female gift, the female anointing, the female expression, the female ministry, the female authority, the female leadership. This house will be a house that covers and protects and fights for and creates a space and a place for that voice and that gift in the name of Jesus. And guys, my wife didn't put me up to this message, y'all. Everything's good in the house. Come on now. All right, let's have our uh, table ministers come on forward.